Welcome to the Small Business Buzz. I'm your host, attorney and entrepreneur, Kimberly Hanlon. Today, I'm talking about the one thing that you must never do when you're starting a new business and what to do instead. And we have Uma Davy with The Bright Path of Shias here to talk about a method for reducing stress, increasing effectiveness, and living your best life as a business owner. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Okay, let's get to it. When it's time to actually start a business, I mean really more than just thinking about it and that conceptualization phase. I mean really start up and start doing things phase. It doesn't take long for most entrepreneurs to realize that they're going to need two things, money and people to help them get the business off the ground. At the same time, most people who are starting a business are really, really excited about it, and they want to talk to everybody about it. I mean, anyone who will listen. It's also easy to think that there's plenty of opportunity to go around. So what often happens is that the budding entrepreneur talks to friends and to family and to friends of family and to the family of friends completely unabashedly. And when someone piques an interest and also may have something to contribute to the cause, like money or talent, then it seems like the sky just opens up and a light shines down from heaven like it was meant to be. The budding entrepreneur says something like, hey, I could use you in this deal. How about if you do whatever or give whatever, and I'll make you a partner? And then the conversation goes on in an informal way, full of possibility, which I love, by the way, don't get me wrong, but without any qualifiers putting a damper on the fun. The budding entrepreneur then goes on about the business of getting the business going, and they've had dozens of conversations that went very much like that one. So they don't think very much of it. They're thinking, that they're just like a fisherman putting a line out in the pond. We'll see which one bites. Maybe one of those conversations will pan out. Maybe they won't. But what the betting entrepreneur is definitely not thinking is that they just formed an agreement that is enforceable in court. And yet, oftentimes they do just that. Then the business starts and the person comes back and says, Hey, I'm ready to start too. When are we going to order my business cards? But in the meantime, the budding entrepreneur has come up with exactly 22,474 other people he would rather have as a business partner and doing or giving whatever the topic of conversation was at that barbecue all those weeks ago. Starting a business can be a big deal. So you might think that it's one of those things that has to be in writing to be enforceable, but nope, you'd be wrong. You might be surprised at how often the court upholds those informal agreements that happen just like that in a course of conversation and in the heat of passion, or at least in the excitement of new possibility, regardless of what you might think about it later. So what should you do instead? I'm not going to tell you to squelch your enthusiasm. For one thing, it wouldn't work. And for a second thing, I love enthusiasm. That's one of the reasons why I like working with startups. No. The thing to do is to form the company formally as either an LLC or a corporation with just you as the sole equity owner. And then, and only then, start having conversations with people about your new company and what you're looking for and how excited you are and so on. 
there's a world of difference between I'm starting this company and hey, you should be a partner. And I've started a company and I'm looking for this or that. And if I find it, I'll consider giving an ownership share to get it. In the first, you're possibly, and maybe even likely, setting up a bargain for exchange with valid consideration and all the other elements needed for a fully enforceable contract. In the second, it's clear that you own what you own and you'll negotiate to get what you're looking for, but there's no expectation that you're partnering up just yet. Then, when you find the people you really do want as business partners, then you negotiate the terms with them and memorialize it in writing, and then transfer the equity to them. It's so much safer that way. If you'd like to know more about this, be sure to check out today's blog post. The link to the post is on my show notes, or you can find it on my website at khanlonlaw.com. That's K-H-A-N-L-O-N-L-A-W.com. And while you're at it, sign up for my bi-weekly business newsletter. In each newsletter, I have articles that will help you in running your business. And sometimes I have bonus materials for you to download for free, like small business legal guides or recordings of webinars or sometimes even model legal forms. Okay, up next is my interview with Uma Davy. Life of an entrepreneur is a never-ending struggle to sharpen that competitive edge that will place your business ahead of the competition. Fortunately, the shape of the average workplace has changed. Finding that fine balance struck between cost efficiency and excellence is now easier than ever. We need help when we need help, but we don't need to be burdened with full-time staff. That's where astute business concierge can help you. Astute Business Concierge. More than just smart, astute. Visit us on the web at astutebusinessconcierge.com to see how we could help you. Okay, I'm here with Uma Devi Ashaya. Thank you, Uma, for being here today. My pleasure. I'm at a loss for even how to introduce you. <laughs> so, Uma is a um, Ishaya monk, and she is a, gosh, do I, is, is it a master? Is that the, I don't even know, like what, what title there would be for the person who teaches Ishaya meditation? There's not really a title, a teacher. Oh, well, that's yeah. probably why I'm at a loss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Uma is um, a teacher for Ishaya meditation. And the meditation technique that she teaches is great for business owners because it's something that can be done anywhere at any time to bring peace and being present in any moment. I think I'm not doing this justice. So Uma, how about if you just jump in? And <laughs> Thank you, Kimberly. There's, it's a series of mechanical techniques. I actually teach with the Bright Path Ashayas, and we teach a series of mechanical techniques that drop you to a silent place that we all have and most of us have forgotten. So there is a place of peace within every single one of us that never changes. It was with us when we were born. It's never gone anywhere, which is why I can guarantee you that you can experience it anytime, anywhere, 
because it doesn't go away. We just quit paying attention to it. For business owners, I mean, I and I get it's really, I mean, for human beings. Mm-hmm. But we're we're speaking to business owners and giving them resources and tools that help to make them more effective and to succeed and prosper. What have you seen in your your many years of teaching this meditation for business owners? The the sort of outcome, the final result from having a meditation practice like this in their lives? Their days are much more effective. And I can speak as a small business owner and also as a practicing CPA. That's how I earn my living. Um, And then just from teaching many, many different people, um, I consistently, I see it in my own experience and I consistently hear it from the people around me. If they take the time in the morning to meditate with their eyes closed, it changes their whole day. And I think it's really funny because I, you know, coming from an accounting background, I have a very logical linear mind and it makes no sense to my logical linear mind, yet it is my day to day experience. And I see it in my own life. The quality of my day improves the effectiveness, the ease, my own attitude. Everything is better if I take the time to ascend, to meditate. Can you give us a contrast between what your life was like before or what you were like before taking on this practice and what you're like now? The most telling is I really would have described myself before as a glass is half empty kind of a girl. And really now I really look at the world as the glass is half full. And so it's really changed my outlook. Um, I'm not going to be Pollyanna Davy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't serve anybody. <laughs> But I really, I'm happier, I'm more peaceful, I, I see life differently, I see more of the good, I focus more of, on the good on people as opposed to the negative, and, and I see that day-to-day in my life, just how I approach life, how I approach the world, which isn't to say that I don't ever get cranky anymore, um, but I don't take it so seriously. Being that you now see the positive in people, in a way that you didn't before, does that have you connect better with people? Absolutely. And because I'm more comfortable with people's humanness, I'm more comfortable with my own humanness. You know, so I'm, I don't, we're our own worst critics, virtually all of us. And if you pay attention to the content of your thoughts, most of it's pretty negative and most of it's pretty harsh personally. And what we don't know, realize is that we're, we're paying attention to that negative dialogue all day at an unconscious level and it, it changes our perception. I still see if I'm, if I'm feeling judgmental to others, I'm being harsh with myself and it's a really good instant indicator to rest back, reconnect with that silence and go forward again. You know, I really get that. In the past, if somebody had asked me, like, what are one of your strengths? I would have listed one of my strengths. Well, I'm a perfectionist because I had it that I wanted to have a high degree of competency or, well, what I say now is excellence. 
But in that, in that context of perfectionist, I had no grace for myself. And I had, because I had no grace for myself, I had no grace for others. And because of that view of wanting to be, wanting life to be perfect, what, what I thought was perfect, everything that I saw was not perfect. And in the space of everything is not perfect, I could not see where things were quite excellent. And so in that aspect, I was also as very much the glass is half empty in that for everything that I saw myself or anything that I did or life in in general occurred like something's wrong or there's always a a shortfall. Mm -hmm. Then I shifted my context to striving for excellence. Perfection cannot be achieved. I mean, it's just not ever going to be. But excellence not only can be achieved, but excellence can be achieved and be far from perfect. And in that context, I I started looking at the world, and now I have so much grace for myself, and I have so much grace for others, and now life occurs to me as fun and rich in a way it never did. I think what you're pointing to is is something in that same sort of vein. And one of the things I say is that since I started doing this practice, nothing in my life has changed and everything in my life has changed. And that's really what you're speaking to. The world is the same, but my perception, and it's not a big shift. It's a real small shift of perception. Right. A small shift in perception, but life-altering at the same time. Significant, positive life-altering. Every once in a while, I'll have like a day or two that I'll still have that perfection, like running me. And gosh, those are really hard, horrible days. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want that person back. (laughs) I understand. I, I say that also is that every once in a while, I have a day that reminds me of my old self. And I don't know how I survived it. Um, I mean, it's physically and emotionally exhausting to live that way now. And the more I meditate, the more contrasting those days are. And so the easier it is to continue because I don't want to go back to that. Since you've taken on this meditation practice in your life, and yeah, and how long have you been doing this in your life? I've been practicing for almost 15 years and teaching for 11. Okay. Since you've taken on this meditation practice, have you found that you're willing to take on more in life or maybe like play a bigger game than what you were before? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone, you know, and, and it's afforded me opportunities that I can't imagine would have ever happened, um, including quite a bit of travel. And it's changed my whole world. I mean, I had about where my body, I wasn't well physically. And my experience now with physical illness or pain in my body, again, is completely different. Um, it's just another thing. It doesn't consume me like it used to. And so, But I'm also more willing to take care of my body. I don't drive it at a level that it can't sustain, which I think is important because I see that in business owners, is how easy it is to step back and as tax accountants to just 
ignore some of those early warning signs and just keep plowing through on a mission as opposed to taking a broader view um, because we get very focused on the to-do list as opposed to the to-be list. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> My to-be list. Let mm-hmm. me think about what that'd be. To be joyous, for sure. Yeah. To be fun. Con- to be fun. To be a contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, to be of service to others. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, to the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And sometimes being of service is, you know, the smallest little gestures. Because I don't think we always know what small little gestures to us have big impact on the people around us. Just coming in and, you know, maintaining a level of peace affects people. I mean, you know, practicing meditation affects the whole world, whether you know it or not. Because every time anybody uses the techniques, the ascension techniques, or any meditation, it shifts the consciousness of the planet. And we're not going to solve the world's problems from the level of consciousness that created it. So while we heal ourselves and we make our own lives more joyful, we also shift the level of consciousness on the planet every time we meditate. It's, the most, it's one of the most selfless acts we can do. And we stri- we get such personal benefit from it. You mentioned the Ashaya meditation technique, but you said any any meditation technique. Mm-hmm. Can you give our listeners some distinction about what is what is different and what is similar? Mm-hmm. I will say that I tried several different kinds of meditation techniques before I found the Ashaya's Ascension, and the Ashaya's Ascension is the only one I ever stuck with two weeks after the course ended. It was easy. It was simple. It didn't ha- require a lot of postures or very little rule, very little ritual. And I liked that. And it was an instant. I felt instant peace. I mean, I could close my eyes, use the techniques for five minutes, and I felt this instant level of peace. I always understood meditation to be I still my mind and then I focus. And I could never still my mind, so I never felt successful. But thoughts are a normal thing that happens in living in the world. Thoughts are just a part of being alive. And the ascension works with the thoughts. It's not trying to get rid of the thoughts or change the thoughts or push them away. And so I was excited about a technique that didn't require me to still my mind. And as I've practiced it, it's stilled. So that's one of the big things for me is it doesn't require me to stop the mind. And the other is that there's an eyes open practice with it, that you can use the techniques with your eyes open and your eyes closed. And so you can literally have an experience of joy all the time. It's not that there isn't intensity in life, but there's the personal part of it goes, you stop taking the things happening in your world personally. And boy, when I do pick up and take something personal, the contrast is so immediate that I remember. I also tried different meditation techniques. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd go on a, a weekend retreat or, or whatever and, and do this meditation weekend. And I found that, that same where my mind is really unstillable. Yeah. So anything that requires me to still it and focus, I'm not ever going to succeed at. <laughs> it's yeah. just... Mm-hmm. Not ever going to happen yeah. in that in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
So I still have lots of thoughts, but the relationship with the thought has changed dramatically. I no longer care about the content of the thought, and I no longer think that the content of the thought is who I am. Mm-hmm. Or that the thoughts are real. Or that the thoughts are real, yeah. So it's a powerful shift in how you live. I mean, because you just start to live from a place of what's right, what's here right now. I mean, you, there's a lot of in the mainstream press about being mindful, being present. But really, the only time you can experience life in its fullest is right now. Like the power of now. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I loved what he said. But I, it, I didn't have a tool to get me to sustain that. And the ascension gave me the tool. It gave me a tool to be present right now. To have the experience of it. That reminds me of, of another analogy, and that is somebody can describe what it's like to ride a bicycle, but you can't actually experience balance until you get on a bicycle and try it. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, that this would be similar. Mm-hmm. You can describe it being present, but until you learn... Mm-hmm. or have a technique yeah. or a tool to actually be present, mm-hmm. all the description in the world isn't going to, to help. Yes. And that piece that we had talked about that's always present at the beginning, I mean, one of the analogies I love about that is um, we live in Minnesota, we have cloudy days. Just because we can't see the sun doesn't mean the sun goes away. The sun is always there whether we're paying attention to it or not, whether we can see it. The silence is always there, whether we're paying attention to it or not. It just waits for us to come back and stay present. And it's our birthright to actually live from a place of peace every day, all day. And it's possible. And that's the exciting part for me to let people know that there is a different way to live. It requires a certain willingness to actually use the practice. And I'm very easily distracted. I do have to, you know, make the time to do that. You know, the mind will throw up 5,000 things that are more important than sitting down for 20 minutes to close my eyes and meditate. And I know what happens when I take the time to sit down and meditate. And so that, I mean, I just have to laugh about it because that part has not gone away, that distraction, the the hundred other things that are more important right now. and you just laugh at those two and don't take those thoughts seriously either. And then you use the techniques. (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Okay.
right, and we're back. Can you talk a little bit about using meditation in general as a tool for stress management? Absolutely. It really is not necessary. There is no thought has the power to add stress to our life. And generally, no thought has to have more impact on your nervous system than what's for dinner tonight. But what happens is we think about something and then we churn it, we hang on to it, we just keep rolling it around and rolling it around, or we judge the experience. And that's where the stress comes. And I see that in my own life. You know, if I make a mistake, make an error, you know, say something I wish I hadn't, it's not any of that that causes me stress. It's the dialogue about about that experience um, that causes me stress. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And what happens with the meditation technique, especially in one of the things I love about Ascension, as with the eyes open, is as you're walking down your, you know, through your day and something happens, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic, somebody's rude, you know, the things that happen during the day. And all we have, we're in the habit of just taking that stuff personal. It just, we've just been sort of taught that way. And if you see that, you just have a technique to introduce that stops that, basically that hamster wheel going of being on that treadmill of churning that event. It just stops it and you become present again and you just don't take it personal. And then you have peace. And then there's peace. Yep. If you go to the movies... You know, back in the old days before they ran advertising, there was just a blank screen. And what was projected on that screen, we would get completely absorbed in. But if you sat back, that screen was the same. That screen never changed. It was only the what caused our reactions, what was what was projected on that screen. So the piece that never changes is the screen and everything that happens to us in life is just a projection on that screen that we have a choice in every moment if we're going to react to or not. And this may, when I first started, I heard this and it's like, you have got to be kidding. It was, it seemed completely the opposite that it was effortful to get to that piece because all this stuff was happening. And there was just a point, it took some time for me to practice. It wasn't an instant, but all of a sudden I realized that I was reacting differently or not reacting in ways I would have. You were encountering situations that were similar to what you had encountered in the past, but you were handling them in a new way, in a more effective way. Yes, yes. Um, and one of the things that I remember, I was driving around the chain of lakes and I hit an ice patch. It was winter. I was sliding into a T intersection and there were vehicles coming. And gratefully, they saw that I wasn't going to stop and they just waited for me to slide through. Um, but I remember being aware of my whole nervous system gearing up that we're hardwired that fight or flight. And at the same time, I remember having this experience of peace. It was like, that's what they're talking about, that those things can happen simultaneously. The body does what it needs to do to stay alive, but it didn't have to affect my peace. You know, my heart was pounding. All of that was happening while I was experiencing the silence. 
And I can't get my head, my logical mind around that, but it happens. And I see that. And so for people in business, there's, there are, gosh, there's situations that are just as scary as going through an icy intersection yep. and mm-hmm. to have something that gives them access to operating at peace and at their peak, even in the midst of this scary situation that's happening mm-hmm. yep. is really valuable. Yeah. Or even just in business negotiations. I mean, if you come from a place of peace and calm. Oh, yeah. Not peace and not calm is not the place to come from. If mm-hmm. you are in business yeah. negotiations or if you're in court, anything where where the outcome is on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we become attached to that outcome. And from that place of peace, there isn't an attachment to the outcome, which, again, sounds counterintuitive to business. But the less attached we are to the outcome, the more amazing the outcome tends to be. No, I agree. Because that's one of the reasons why people like to have lawyers for things that are important. Because if you're not attached to the outcome, then it's easier to see the clear pathways to the best result. Mm-hmm. So the more we're out of our own way. You know, and I've, I've used the meditation techniques in staff meetings and you know, with clients. I just use it. Now it's a habit, but it's a powerful tool to be more effective. You know, when I started back doing tax work, I had taken some time off to teach meditation and went back. And it was a funny thing, but I realized, you know, I was in the office with the work in process queue. And one day I just, it was like, what was I thinking? I can't believe I'm back doing this work. It was funny. And I got up and I walked away, walked down the hall, took a little break and just started to laugh because I realized my old self would have paid attention to that and just been miserable. And I I came back, I laughed at the thought, picked up another tax return and just blissed out was doing my work. Yeah, that's so much more (laughs) (laughs) enjoyable way to live life. And it's so much more effective. Yeah. You know, and there's an intangible piece of that. If, I mean, if you're sitting down working on somebody's taxes from a place of peace, there's an intangible experience for them that they may, may or may not even know. I do have people come in and meet with me and they're, you're so calm or your voice is so calm. They don't know anything about my other life, my meditation teaching life. But there's a, you know, but some, some people recognize that there's something different. Yeah. And also that ability to connect with people at a deeper level, mm-hmm. I'm sure that they, whether they can articulate it or not, they must notice it. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what we talked about where how, what a profound, positive effect meditation has on the whole planet. It's like we touch people in ways we're not even aware of. And sometimes they don't even know what happened. They just know that there's something different. And, you know, what a cool way to be of service. Being of service doesn't have to be hard. Right. And it doesn't have to be unpleasant. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, is there some, I don't know, if it would be like some tips that you can leave people so that they can have some aspect of tools or I know that I, I mean, obviously you can't deliver uh, a weekend meditation <laughs> training over, you know, half an hour podcast. Right. But is there something short of coming to the, the training that people can get to get a sense of it now? Yep. If you're feeling stressed and you're just churning on a thought, 
take a moment, take a minute or two and close your eyes and count your thoughts. Just count them or take a minute and just watch them. Just watch, observe the thoughts going through your mind because you can't be that which you can observe. And by just taking a minute to observe your thoughts, you break that rat maze churning. Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's a real simple, easy thing that anybody can do. And it doesn't have to take a long time. I like that. It's, it's very, very exciting to me to have an opportunity to let people know there's a different way to live. Um, I had no idea when I started this that life could be fun and simple and easy. And like I said, there's intensity in it and there are things that happen, but pain happens, suffering is a choice. Oh, yes. Suffering is optional. Suffering is always optional. Difficult things happen in our lives. We lose people we love, business, things, you know, the constant is change, but it doesn't all, it doesn't have to affect our peace. Hmm. And I mean, really, and for me, that was, I wanted that to be true, but I didn't really believe it. And I'm so pleased to be able to say from my own experience that it's true. Well, if somebody wants to reach out and find out more either about Ashaya Ascension or they want to reach out to you and, and talk to you either about your experience or, or even if they want to come and take a class, mm-hmm. how can people reach you? Um, they can reach me either through our website, thebrightpath.com, or they can email me. It's umadevi at thebrightpath.com. That's U-M-A-D-E-V-I at thebrightpath.com. Great. And I'll put, I'll put links up on that our show notes too. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. This was just a delightful experience to be able to share this with people. next week for the Small Business Buzz when I talk about boomers becoming business owners and how to approach starting up when you're getting the entrepreneurial urge later in life. We also visit with Dan Rivkin with Lifespan Insurance Advisors about risk management for business owners. And you'll get the insider scoop so that you'll know how to keep your business, your family, and your future protected from the unthinkable. You can find links and other useful information on our show notes at thesmallbusinessbuzz.com. And be sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you're liking what you're hearing, please give us a good rating and maybe even leave a review. Of course, a lawyer would have a disclaimer, and here is mine. Any information provided on the show is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal advice. The show theme music is Pioneers by Jason Shaw, released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. And the music interlude is One Fine Day by Jason Shaw, released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.